Hello, adventurers. We opened our store up at goodhamproductions.com. With the holidays looming, get a copy of Charlie Saves Christmas from Daniel Nichols or The Prismatic Drow featuring artwork by Storm S. Cohn and Ariana Atchley. Feel free to go out there and grab a t-shirt. I think we now have one for one of the taverns from season one. The Periwinkle Platypus. Yes, that's right. You too could wear the shirt of Derry Goldleaf and all of his friends. <laughs> Gearing up for season five, I've realized that there's a large gap between our first episodes and our latest episodes, uh, given the techniques and the things that we've learned over time. So I'm going back through and remastering the earlier episodes at the same time that we're producing season five. And now I'd like to share the first episode of the prologue with you. I hope you enjoy it. And more will be coming soon, so keep an eye on that feed. Take care, and remember the oath. Dice Tower Theater presents Dawn Dragons. The Prologue, Part 1. The sun slowly traveled in a thin beam across the far wall of the blacksmith's shop, bursting through a gap in the dry and blackened oak doors. The heaving of the great bellows pumped the coals of the forge with air, Benedict remarked how they changed from a deep cherry to a yellow, much like that beam of sunlight. There, boy. You've stoked the fire good and hot now. Keep it going, and I'll get the steel. The booming voice of Erebus Shieldheart rang out in that room like the ring of the anvil in the dull, smoky air. They rolled the bar in the inferno of the forge, heat dancing across their arms as they worked near the fire. Benedict looked back at the crafting table where a silver dragon turtle sat. He remarked at the detail of the sculpture and silver work. Mithril. It was rare, but even more so was the heat required to bend it to the form. Its red eyes from two deep garnets seemed to stare back at him. He couldn't shake that uneasy feeling around it, like it called to him. Ha! An ember singed his arm, making him wince and return his gaze back to the steel in his hand. He was turning in the fire. Soon Erebus nodded in approval of the yellow-white glow and called for him to bring it to the anvil. Great blows were driven by Erebus and the great forge hammer he wielded in his massive hand. Benedict marveled at his adoptive father's arms. They were scarred from the years before Benedict and strong from driving that hammer for as many as he could remember on top of that. He saw the glow of the steel in his kind, deep blue eyes, surrounded by lines that told a story of hardship that never escaped the lips hidden behind his long mustache. Erebus eventually stopped and motioned Benedict to lift the steel so he could inspect the rough shape of the sword. Benedict struggled to lift the blade of the great sword, thinking to himself how strong Zoran's father must be to actually wield it. Erebus smiled slightly as he hooked the crook of the hammer under the other end to brace it. Benedict felt himself relax slightly. Good. This is good. Send her back into the fire, Benedict. Okay. For hours, this cycle continued. 
father to son. Sweat had stopped pouring and kept a constant flow. All things in the room moved in rhythm with the pace of the blacksmith and his young apprentice. The door to the shop opened, and a woman with dark hair kept back in a neat bun stepped into the bright daylight pouring onto the floor. She swung a hip to brace the door as her hands were occupied. She carefully carried a tray whose contents were covered with a draped white cloth. A young girl a few years younger than Benedict skipped into the room, careful to keep distance from the two workers, but more importantly, that fiery metal they held and its mother that birthed it, the forge. Her innocent brown eyes looked upon that fire with wonder, awe, and ultimately respect. Nora, what have you brought us, love? Erebus smiled, and lowering the steel, he picked up a towel. As he began to wipe off his hands, he nodded with pride for Benedict to step away from the bellows for a much-needed break. They had done well today. The woman pulled back the soft, hand-woven cloth, and the smell hit them before the words could be said or eyes could see. The sweet smell of the fresh bread mixed with the smoked fish making Benedict's pasty, dry mouth begin to water. When his eyes fell to the pitcher, he could imagine how that first drink was going to feel, cool and refreshing. That became his priority. As he began to pour a glass, Cordelia, his young cousin, wrapped her arms around him in a big hug to the side barely missing his precarious elbow steadying the glass as he poured. Laura kissed Erebus on his black-sooted cheek. She laughed when she saw the brief, clean spot she left, and Erebus smiled at the small soot she brushed from a corner of her scarlet lips. He thought of the years they had been together, and how she was still so beautiful. Her raven-black hair was showing some gray now, and her eyes had similar lines but her brown eyes themselves still shone with that fire he had always seen. She knew more than Erebus. He had thought of more than one occasion, and to be fair, she had proven it on many more than that. He glanced at their children who were sitting now. Benedict had a fistful of broken bread with a decent portion of the smoked trout hastily shoved in one side. He greedily was eating it while Cordelia was talking excitedly about meeting up with her friend Sophie later. Such good kids. He paused on the fact Benedict was his adopted son as it washed over him briefly. His father would be proud, Laura. He is going to be a good blacksmith. He beamed with a whisper in her ear. Her kept hair felt like silk across his cheek and smelled of the lilies and the front planters she was tending earlier. He's a good boy. And she looked into his eyes with purpose as she wore a wry grin. As is saying, he rolled his eyes slightly and chuckled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I suppose, he said as he turned away. He reached for a bit of bread and fish before Benedict could completely eliminate it to himself. He thought of Zane, the older brother of Benedict. A free spirit. That was the kindest words that came to him. The boy was undisciplined, unfocused, nothing like his brother. But he lowered his eyes as he remembered. He was just like the sworn sister of Erebus, the mother of both boys, Ilona. Zoran walked down the dirty alleyway with his hands in his pockets, deep in thought. Or at least that was the plan. He wasn't focusing on his eyesight where the ground passed lazily pebble by pebble. 
He was listening. He heard the window above creak to a close and the cat's steps on the gutter by the rooftop. He heard the wind slightly pick up and could feel the dry, arid draft against his cheek, pull a little moisture as it went by. He could smell the rotting trash and stale beer behind the tavern as he approached the rear entrance to their kitchen. There was one thing he didn't notice, though. Psst, Zorin. A familiar hiss rang out of the stack of barrels. In response, Zorin looked around before darting behind them. You ready? The face was gleaming with mischievous excitement. In the dark shadow where Zorin could make out the familiar face of his best friend, his long blonde hair hung at the shoulders, unkempt and free, much like his devil-may-care attitude. Zorin admired the boy's courage and will. Zorin being the son of the local justice made him wary about taking risks, but when he was with Zane, he felt free. The boys fantasized about moving to Port Lafour one day and becoming pirates, to sail the seas with no one to answer to but themselves, completely free of the day-to-day of their small town of Alnakkan. The town was small with a focus around basic trade for the traveling merchants and nomads in the local dry, high plains, desert-like area. The only tavern was the Howling Mountain Inn, and the boys loved to sneak in and hear the stories being told. After all, this was more exciting than anything else this town, they thought. (laughs) Zorin looked at Zane and nervously nodded with a smile. They snuck around the barrel stack to the shadow immediately to the left of the door. Zane tested the handle gently. It was locked. He looked at Zorin and nodded. Zorin took a deep breath and produced the lockpick Zane had given him as a learning tool. And remembered. How are we going to open buried treasure if the chest is locked? Don't want to break the chest and have gold falling all about, right? Seemed legitimate to Zorin. He felt and listened to the lock. He could feel the grit of sand that had blown into the tumbler at some point. At least since the last time they were there. Brushing it to the side, he slowly pressed and turned successfully disengaging the lock and freeing the door. Zane eagerly pushed the door open slightly and peered in. The kitchen was unoccupied, except for the large cauldron of rich stew slowly cooking on the fire. The smell was savory, and if it wasn't molten, he would stuff it into his pocket. He smiled to himself slightly at the thought of even trying. Zorin, outside the door, could see his friend's fingerless glove pressing against the door with his head inside at the shoulders. He also saw that horrible scar up his forearm. Zane had no trouble talking about it and was pretty proud of it, honestly. Save Benedict from the fire. The fire that had taken Benedict and Zane's parents, though. Benedict and Zane were raised by Erebus and Laura on the Shieldheart, along with their cousin Cordelia. Zorin knew that they had come here five years ago, and word spread fast of a new legendary blacksmith. (laughs) Zane's smile peeked back from the doorway. Let's go. They snuck into the kitchen, ducking behind the baker's pantry with stacks of flour from the mill to the south. A windmill logo with angel wings. Zane bounded up the stack until he could reach the rafters. Zorin quickly followed. As they crossed the beam, Zane looked back at his best friend. Shortly after arriving on Akkan, when they were barely six or seven years old, was when Zorin and Zane first met. He remembered the mopey kid watching them unpacked, 
till he could sneak away and ask him his name. Ariakin. Sane remembered laughing at the kid's remark, saying, <laughs> Way too big. How about Zorin? It's got a Z in it, like mine. They both started laughing before running off to play, playing in the dreams of children with no cares for the world around them. A hand grabbed Zane's leg as he drifted off the rafter, snapping him to reality. Zane corrected and looked back. Zorin was silently chuckling at the almost mishap. Zane mouthed out a thank you before looking down the 12-foot drop to a table below. They had made it from the kitchen to the front of the store and the dining room. They worked their way to the large bookcase rows in the back where they could descend to the floor and find their prize. They noticed only two tables were occupied. One was Elaviv Hawklight, a local elven ranger who periodically came into town, sometimes would stop by to see Erebus and Laura, but never for too long. Zane then noticed the dwarves sitting at the other table. They were dwarf miners and well-known ones, too. One was Chieftain Rickover Bear Charger. Recognizable for his exceptional ugliness, his crooked nose perched below two sets of bushy eyebrows. His bald head reflected a bit of the sunlight that came in from the dusty nearby window. His usual council of Whittakin and Olakul were listening intently to his speech. He bellowed. Whittakin's white braided beard whipped slightly from his chin as he spoke in almost pleading tones. Olakul stared into his mug, hoping there would be an answer, but Zane always thought he was the thoughtful one. He never spoke much, but would smile at the boys when they passed in the street, thumbing the axe that he always carried on one side. Zane looked at Zorn, who was snatching a bit of stale cake from a shelf. He grabbed a piece for himself. The boys knowing that if they stayed too long, it could mean trouble. They began their ascent back into the rafters and out of the Howling Mountain Inn, smiling. As Zane bit into the cake, the spiced currants popped in his mouth. The brushed icing melted against his tongue, but nothing could turn his curiosity from the discovery in the old mine. Sophie was wiping down the small table used for lunch a few moments earlier. She'd taken her plate and silverware to the bucket of soft, flowery-smelling suds and was purposely wiping it clean. The house was so silent, lonely. She took in a deep breath as she looked out the front door, waiting for something, or maybe someone. She looked back and began to dry the dish with the dry white towel. She smiled, remembering the towel as a gift from Laura on Shieldheart talented weaver and seamstress after all. Her best friend was Cordelia. It wasn't a secret that Cordelia's cousin Zane and Sophie shared feelings about each other. They were both a little reckless and enjoyed each other's spontaneity. Zane's little brother Benedict would always encourage them to not do anything on the edge. It was <laughs> Sophie's sister and guardian off earning money and not at the house currently. It's hard to walk the straight and narrow. She wondered about her sister, Cardlin. She was a good six years older than Sophie, meaning she was probably about 18 now. She was a talented swordmaster with a longsword. When she was here, taught Sophie to learn as much as she could. Men are not to be trusted further than the end of your sword, Sophie. She remembered her words of caution. 
She also remembered holding that sword at Zane's chest and how he smiled back at her. She saw no malice in his eyes, and something inside disarmed her. Months later, he was her first kiss, and she was his. She smiled at the memories. She stood up and put the dish back in the cupboard neatly. She'd go find them soon. Her chores were almost done. She piled up the pan she had used to fry a little salted meat and scrambled eggs and double-checked it was clean before putting it away under the tall, dark wood cupboard. She thought of Zoran and wondered if his day was better than the previous day she had seen him. She remembered the marks on his cheeks. And when she confronted him, she just looked away and changed the subject hastily. Her sister had those marks when she'd come back from a job sometime. A shudder ran up her back when she thought of his father, Lord Pallas. Tall, dark-eyed, and long black hair that hid his broad, muscular shoulders. He was the local justice for the town, deep, booming voice that commanded respect and allegiance, unwavering allegiance. He stayed in his house when he wasn't traveling. Today he wasn't in town due to some meeting Zorin mentioned. Hopefully that means Zorin gets a break, she thought. She cared about him like a brother. In fact, these children, Sophie, Cordelia, Benedict, Zane, and Zorin were more of a family together than they were separately. Snapping back, she pulled her blonde hair from her face hastily with a quick bit of purple cord and took one last look at the empty house before running out to join Cordelia as they had planned. The two girls were at the stables talking to a tall chestnut horse named Buttercup as they brushed the cockleburrs out of his thick mane. They were giggling at a joke when Zane and Zoran appeared laughing. There you are. What's so funny? Zane wickedly smiled as he grabbed her hand. Milady, my first mate and I were just saying how we will sail up on the fortnight. Zoran tossed him a grin. I thought I was the captain. He jested as he mocked a gut punch on his friend. Sophie and Cordelia laughed. Zane apologized and began to dream again, talking of the waves and their freedom. Sophie smiled. It sounded so wonderful. Zoran held onto it in his heart as truth. Cordelia loved the stories and loved her cousins very much. They were oldest friends, and Zane, for good or bad, was the oldest, and therefore the de facto leader, though he never seemed to want it. Suddenly, as Zane was talking about pirates and treasure, he saw Benedict turn around the corner. Hey, Benedict. He turned to his brother. You ready for some fun or what? Benedict was intrigued but wary. He saw Zane smile and Zane rarely had ideas of fun that were legal, or at the very least questionable. There's something in the old mine that the dwarves have found. An old hallway or something. I don't know if this is a good idea. I mean, come on, your ideas always lead us into trouble. Come on, right? Benedict. It's not every day something like this comes up. Besides, today father is gone, and some fun sure sounds great. <sighs> okay. Benedict groaned, knowing he had lost the battle. Begrudgingly, he followed the group as they walked north out of town, towards the mouth of the old mine. Appearing in this episode, Sophie, Sabrina Patton, Cordelia, Ariana Atchley, Benedict, Jesse Davis, Zoran, Griffin Foot, Zane, Storm S. Cone, Laura Hanna Shieldheart, 
Laura Jurdak, Erebus Shieldheart, Jesse Jurdak, Lord Pallas, Ian Wilkinson, Elaviv Hawklight, Jessica Atchley, Narrator, it's Mike Atchley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list could be found in the show notes. If you'd like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform. Send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address we can send it to. In the next episode, what secrets have the dwarves uncovered in the old mine? And what dangers await the five children in its ancient shadows? Until then, fellow adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath. <laughs>